0: Hi, I'm Paul Havershood, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money.
1: Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are gonna have to eat that real wage loss.
0: And small ways, like
1: what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or
0: wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. It's cold and flu season and if that's not enough, parents have been dealing with a new challenge. Finding over-the-counter pain and fever medications for their kids... An emergency shipment of ibuprofen and acetaminophen is coming to some pharmacies in the next few weeks, but parents have concerns right now. And now in some provinces, amoxicillin, one of the most commonly prescribed antibiotics, is also in short supply, if not unavailable. So this week on The Dose, we're asking, how should sick children and their parents cope with these medication shortages? Hi, Kelly. Welcome back to The Dose. Hi, thanks for having me. So how often are pharmacists getting frantic calls from parents these days?
1: Oh, when you talk to pharmacists, some of them are saying every 15 minutes the phone rings and it's another parent looking for something, whether it's just something in supply or just to ask for some help on what to do when their kid has a fever or a sore throat or something. So it's it's a pretty big reality for most pharmacists and probably most parents right now.
0: Yeah, and we're not making this up. This is this is a real challenge as we speak. So I'm glad that we're doing this topic now. But before we begin, can you give us a Hi, My Name Is? Tell us what you do and where you do it. Just ad lib.
1: Hi, my name is Kelly Grindrod. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy at the University of Waterloo School of Pharmacy. And I'm a mom of two kids who have also had viral infections recently.
0: Okay, so you've got uh, more than one reason for being passionately concerned about this subject. Here we go. Um, I want to take us back several months ago when we started seeing pharmacy shelves missing medications like uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol. What happened?
1: So this started in the summer when we started having kids have those viruses come back. So common cold, flu season started a bit early this year. When those things started coming back because we dropped a lot of the mask mandates, people were getting back out together, they were gathering indoors together, kids started getting sick. And when kids started getting sick, They started using these products, and very quickly there just weren't enough to go around. So this really started in the summer. It's probably the worst it's been right now, but we've been dealing with this for a few months now.
0: And is this a problem that's unique to Canada? Are there specific issues that are going on in this country?
1: Well, in a way, so Australia had a really difficult flu season. And so we've been anticipating because we tend to follow what happens there. Um, And in the U.S. we are getting some reports of some shortages and and some limited supply of certain products down there as well. So I think it's safe to say that after the pandemic and the, the couple of years where we really didn't need a lot of these products Now that people are getting sick again and we need them, there's definitely pressure in the system. So it's not just limited to Canada, but we're definitely feeling it a lot right now in Canada.
0: Which medications are we missing? Can you give us a list?
1: Well, the big one that's been in the headlines a lot lately is acetaminophen, so children's Tylenol. And it's really the liquid products and the chewable products that people are having a hard time finding. And also the Advil products, so, uh, or, or Motrin, so those are ibuprofen products, again, the liquids and the chewables. And then we're also starting to see the antibiotics. And so you mentioned amoxicillin is one of them. But it's really any antibiotic that we give to kids in a liquid form. Because It's really these liquid supplies. It's not so much the adult supplies, it's the kids' supplies.
0: We've been hearing a lot, of, of course, about overcrowded emergency departments for other reasons, but... Are these shortages in any way contributing uh, to the uh, overcrowding of emergency departments that we've been seeing lately?
1: Well, I think the shortages certainly aren't helping. Um, whether they're contributing or it's just the fact that a lot of kids are sick right now, uh, it's hard to say. One thing we are hearing from parents is, you know, for the last couple of years, the pandemic, when there's been a lot of masking and or even school closures, kids weren't getting sick. And so for a lot of parents, this is the first time in two or three years they've seen their kids sick. So there's a lot of fear. You know, it's the first fever they've maybe dealt with in, in years in their house. And then on top of it, they can't get treatment to bring the fever down or to make the kids more, com- more comfortable because, they, you know, they're just not happy. They're not feeling well. So there are some families who are ending up in eMERGE just looking for help. But really what we're seeing is just a lot of virus circulating and a lot of virus is taking kids to eMERGE. And it's putting demand and, and having parents go out looking for these products to try and treat these fevers.
0: Who is most affected right now? Which parents, which kids would you say are most affected now? You know, you can answer that uh, on, on, you know, based on your vantage point as a pharmacist and, and, you know, thinking about the kinds of parents who are flocking to pharmacies looking for answers.
1: I think who we're hearing most from are parents of younger children. So these are the little ones who can't swallow tablets, who need the chewables, who need the liquids. Um, The older kids, you know, when you're getting into the teen years, you can start relying more on the adult products, but it's the ones that really need the liquids because they can't swallow a tablet yet or they're, they're too little. Also the ones that need those lower doses. So this is really an issue for parents of younger kids and guardians of younger kids right now.
0: And you know we've already talked about fever are there other symptoms that parents are trying to treat that they're unable to treat because the medications aren't available
1: Yeah generally just the feeling of unwell you know when kids get sick they can get sore throats they can get headaches they can get body aches in addition to fever and so these these children's products that the Tylenol and the Advil which are acetaminophen and ibuprofen those are really used for that that general feeling of pain and discomfort and fever, they're, they're used for, for all of those. And so kids are dealing with a lot of body aches. You know, you get influenza, body aches are a pretty common symptom. You get a cold, a sore throat's a pretty common symptom. So all of those are, are uh, symptoms that we're hoping to treat with these medications.
0: And uh, I want to turn now to antibiotics. We've been talking about amoxicillin because that's the one that, that's in the news. Um, but you suggested that there are shortages of other antibiotics as well?
1: Yeah, when you talk to pharmacists right now, uh, at first it was amoxicillin, but then what happens is is prescribers will move on to the next liquid antibiotic, and then that goes short. They'll move on to the next one, and then that goes short. So we're really seeing it with all of the liquid antibiotics that we'd be using for kids. You know, it might be one at a time, but generally speaking, it's it's across those liquid antibiotics we'd be using for these common conditions in kids.
0: You know, whenever I, uh, you know, I, I occasionally see... Uh pediatric age patients in our emergency department because we've got a big uh, you know we've got the sick kids right across the street um, you know when I when I have to look up you know which antibiotic is used for which indication in kids god amoxicillin is right at the top of the list it is it is one commonly prescribed antibiotic uh, antibiotic for kids isn't it
1: it is. It's for lots of things. It could be ear infections. It could be um, some different respiratory conditions, you know, sinus infections, things like that. It's very, very commonly used, um, usually really well tolerated. So one of the big messages that that we're starting to hear right now is we have to remember a lot of what's circulating are viruses and antibiotics are useful for treating bacterial infections not viral infections. And so it's interesting because a lot of what's going around right now is actually not something that we can treat with antibiotics. Antibiotics don't work for COVID or influenza or RSV, those are viruses. So we we tend to use the antibiotics for other things like ear infections. You might get a cold and then it later causes an ear infection and that's when kids are going to need that. So, yeah, I would say that amoxicillin is probably our most common. And then there are other ones that are quite common, like azithromycin, you know, which we, we will see often used. If we can't have amoxicillin, we might use azithromycin, and then we might have shortages with that one, for example, or septra or some of the others.
0: And, you know, I, I seem to recall that, uh, you know, antibiotics have gone in and out of fashion for treating otitis media, middle ear infections, I know that for some time there was this concept of watchful waiting. Is that still, in other words, waiting to see if if, if your child just gets better and, and, and doesn't require an antibiotic? Is that something that's still an option these days?
1: Yeah, you bet. And, and that's When we talk about how a lot of families haven't been dealing with infections for the last few years, that's one of the things we're talking about is we stopped talking about antibiotics because we hadn't needed them for the last few years. A lot of pharmacies were actually throwing out their antibiotic supply because they were expiring on the shelf because kids haven't needed them for the last few years. And so we we had a lot of practice like with strep throat. You know, if you have a sore throat but also have a cough, also have a runny nose, we don't think that's strep throat. Those are common symptoms of a cold. So, you know, with strep throat, we might be swabbing the throat to make sure it's actually strep throat before we give antibiotics. For pneumonia, there, there's certain things that are done to diagnose it before antibiotics are given. So what we're seeing is kids are getting sick again for the first time in a few years, and, and parents don't quite know what to do. It's been a while since they've dealt with this. They're going to the doctor hoping for antibiotics. But, you know, it should really be an exception. When you go to the doctor, usually you don't leave with an antibiotic. It should be fairly infrequent that you actually get an antibiotic because most of these things are, are viral infections. They, they don't respond to antibiotics.
0: You know, you just mentioned expired antibiotics, and that reminds me of something. I'm sure you've got some parents who've been calling that uh, and, and asking, can they use an expired antibiotic? They've got some leftover liquid antibiotics uh, that, are, that they keep, which they're not supposed to do, but they have kept them from a prior infection, and they want to know if they can still use those now. What do you tell them?
1: You never use expired antibiotics. Absolutely not. So if you get an antibiotic prescription, you use the amount you were supposed to use, toss the rest of it. You can take it back to the pharmacy, they'll dispose of it for you. But no, you don't go back and and use old antibiotics that are left over. The other form of this question that we're getting probably even more right now is expired children's Tylenol and and expired children's Advil. So parents for the first time in a few years are going to the drawers, going to the cupboards, finding that they do have some liquid acetaminophen and saying, okay, this is great, but it's expired a year ago. Can I use it? So the general advice is no, we don't recommend using expired medicine, over-the-counter antibiotics, any of them um partly because the drugs when they're they're sitting, you know, in especially in bathrooms, hot human bathrooms, uh, places like that, they can break down and they're actually not very effective anymore necessarily. And we don't know when that time's going to be that they're not effective. So, if you have an expired product, the advice is to throw it out and to go and get something different. So, you would go and talk to a pharmacist and, and try and get something accessible that's not yet
0: expired. Okay, um, we've talked about amoxicillin. Um, what other antibiotics are pharmacists dispensing instead?
1: Well, there are different antibiotics. Like, there's an amoxicillin product that has another ingredient in it that can be often used. Um, one of the things that they're doing is, where possible, they can use the adult size—you know, the lowest doses of the adult capsules, for example. But what that often will require kids to be able to is to be able to swallow a capsule or be able to swallow a tablet. So there are some antibiotic options, different antibiotics, but also the same one, amoxicillin, in a different form. So this really raises that question of making sure, you know, can your child swallow a capsule? Can your child swallow a tablet? Between today's wellness fads and news about tomorrow's medical breakthroughs, it's hard to know what health information actually applies to you. Luckily, there's a podcast that breaks through the noise. Ted Health from the Ted Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts that break down the questions you didn't know you had. Will eating a plant-based diet make you healthier? How does your neighborhood impact your health? How will medical treatments change in the future? Learn all this and more on TED Health. Find TED Health wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So at what age do kids generally become able to swallow tablets and capsules?
1: So generally around three or four, kids can start doing that. Um, what you you will try to do, and I think one of the best things for parents to think about right now is if your child is feeling well, they're not sick right now, this is the time to learn. Don't wait until they're sick to figure this out. But what the advice is, is you can actually start with things around the house. So if you have sprinkles, you know, sprinkles that you put on the top of of cupcakes or cookies or cakes or something like that. You can start with something as small as a sprinkle that they have to try and swallow the sprinkle down. And then maybe you take another little thing around the house, like an M&M or a candy, a small candy, um, and they try swallowing that with a bit of water. And they gradually build up the skill where they can swallow something the size of a medicine tablet or a capsule. One advice. Yeah, it is interesting. One piece of advice that they suggest is uh, having like a water slide. So you can have a sip of water, you put, say, the sprinkle on their throat, and then you want to take another sip of water and tell the the child that you want to have it like a water slide. You don't want the sprinkle to float to the top of the, the mouth. You want it to ride the water down the back of the throat. So you can make a game of it. And there's some really good resources online to help parents, but it's really important that parents take the time to teach kids how to do this.
0: You've been uh, uh, in tune with what Health Canada is doing. Health Canada is, has announced that it's getting an emergency supply of ibuprofen and acetaminophen. Will this supply be enough to address the shortage that we've been talking about?
1: Oh, that's hard to say. Um, hopefully it will relieve some of the pressure. In some ways, this is like the toilet paper shortage that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, where what we're seeing is because parents are aware that there's a shortage, whenever they see it on the shelf, they buy it. Or they don't just buy one bottle, they buy three bottles or five bottles just in case. So the hope is that by bringing some in and having it on the shelf, you relieve some of that pressure, that fear that people won't be able to access it. I suspect, though, that for as long as we're going to deal with this respiratory virus uh, season this year, you know, the next few months, we're probably going to be dealing with some amount of shortage of these products, at least for the next few months.
0: And, uh, you know, that additional stock can't come in soon enough. I wanted to ask what parents can use to address their child's my, mild pain or fever right now, and I guess the first thing I wanted to say is, don't reach for aspirin, right?
1: Right, never aspirin. Yet we don't use that in kids, especially kids with a fever. Um, it, it can, if you've got the wrong virus, it can have a very serious reaction. So we we don't give aspirin to kids. One thing I would say that you should do is, uh, and, and this is pretty simple weigh your child. So if you have a child who's going to need some medicine, put them on the scale, get their weight and then go into the pharmacy, preferably a pharmacist that you have a relationship with, one you know that you would normally go to for maybe things like your vaccines. Go in there with your child's weight and say my child has a fever, what do you recommend? And depending on what's available, the pharmacist can help you find a product that you might be able to give to your child. So it might be the lowest dose of an adult medicine, and it might just be something like a half a tablet of that. But they're, they're going to need your child's weight to determine what the dose is for your child.
0: And generally speaking, what's the weight? What's that kind of minimum weight that says it's okay to give a small dose, a small adult dose to a child?
1: Uh, We're usually getting into that when they're a little bit older, like they're maybe, you know, six or seven. Um, It's not the little ones, so it's not the ones who are only a couple of years old. It's older than that. Um, And we're going on a dose. It's 15 milligrams per kilogram. And so there's some math involved, too, here, which is why you want to make sure that you weigh your child, but don't calculate it yourself, right? Don't figure out how to do this online, Weigh your child, take them into the pharmacy, and they'll help you figure out what to do. Pharmacists have lots of little tricks. Like, for example, if they need to give you a bit that needs to be crushed up, they might tell you, okay, well, it can go in in chocolate syrup or it can go in chocolate ice cream, but only do this amount. Don't do that amount. We are starting to get some reports of children having accidental overdoses when parents have given the adult products to kids. And what's important to know about Tylenol is Tylenol is very safe except in an overdose. It's very dangerous in an overdose. So parents trying to do this on their own without help is actually very dangerous. The best thing that you can do is weigh your child and then go into a pharmacy that you trust and ask them for some advice on what you can give your child. What are your options?
0: Can a pharmacist provide other medication options like compounding medication or repackaging bulk supplies of non-prescription pain relievers?
1: They can. Uh, compounding is something that you're hearing a lot about. It's not quite the solution that people think. So compounding is expensive and it, it has its risks as well. So it's easy to make mistakes, for example. Um, what you can do is if you have a pharmacy that's going to compound something, they might give you a small amount of the liquid. But what's it's worth noting is those compounds are only good for about two weeks. They actually expire after about two weeks. So they don't have that shelf stability we'd expect in, in the regular products. The other thing is they can be very expensive. So a small bottle can be as much as $60, 70 $100. And that's actually because it's very time intensive. It's labor intensive to be making these things. So you're actually paying you know, the pharmacist time to mix up this product and sell it. But it's not quite the solution that many people think.
0: Last question I want to ask you. When should parents be uh, taking their kids to the emergency department uh, in part because they need these medications and they simply aren't available?
1: So one of the things we always have to keep in mind is when we're assessing things like fever, uh, we talk a lot about fever phobia. Parents are often very afraid. When they see a fever, it makes them afraid. But we have to remember that fevers are a normal part of the body healing, right? That's your, your immune system trying to work to fight off whatever infection you've got. Generally, whenever we've got kids who are under six months who have a fever, they're, they're those who should be seen quickly, especially under the age of three months, should be seen urgently. So if you've got a fever in those babies under six months, those really need to be seen, you know, quickly. Um, there's also kids who who can really just go into the primary care provider, the family doctor, nurse practitioner. You know, these are kids who have maybe had a fever for a few days, um, kids who are maybe not eating or drinking as well. They're they're um, a bit more sleepy than usual. They can go in and see their family doctor or nurse practitioner. If they can't get in to see their family doctor or nurse practitioner, maybe in the evenings or in the weekends, then they might be going to emerge. Kids who are really sick should be going into emerge. So the preference is if you can, if you have a family doctor, if you have a walk-in clinic near you, that really should be the first step. But remember, again, if your, your child has a fever, your child's not feeling well, and you go to the doctor, the expectation should be that you'll leave the doctor without an antibiotic. In most cases, you won't need an antibiotic. The kids who go in and who are sick... Who, who really do have pneumonia, who really do have that ear infection that's been going on for a while, those are the exceptions. Those are actually not the majority of kids. So in most cases, kids can be seen by their, their family doctor, nurse practitioner, um, if it's been going on for a few days. And in most cases, they're not even going to need an antibiotic.
0: Well, let's hope that uh, these shortages come to an end very soon. Kelly Grinrod, as usual, you have been a fund of great knowledge. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you. Kelly Grindrod is a pharmacist and associate professor at the School of Pharmacy at the University of Waterloo. Here's your dose of smart advice. There are shortages of kids' chewable and liquid formulations of acetaminophen and ibuprofen. Likewise, the kids' versions of the antibiotic amoxicillin is either in short supply or unavailable. The same is increasingly true of other children's antibiotics. Health Canada is working on plans to increase availability in the weeks ahead, Adult doses of antibiotics acetaminophen and ibuprofen are available, but that doesn't mean it's safe to give them to kids. Pediatric dosages are based on a child's weight. Giving a full adult dose of medication to a child could lead to a serious overdose. So before experimenting with adult doses, weigh your child and then ask your pharmacist or other healthcare provider about the safety of using adult medications. Kids three years and up are generally able to swallow adult preparations found in pills or capsules. You can help teach your child to swallow them by first having them practice swallowing baking sprinkles and Smarties or M&Ms. It's not a good idea to give expired medications to kids. Heat and humidity can break down medications and can render them ineffective. Leftover medications should be thrown out or taken back to the pharmacist for disposal. While it's worrisome that amoxicillin may not be available, there are other antibiotics that your doctor or nurse practitioner can prescribe instead. Some conditions, like ear infections, may get better without antibiotics. Your healthcare provider can tell you about that. It's also worth emphasizing that at this time of year, most respiratory illnesses are caused by viruses, not bacteria. A viral illness does not require antibiotics. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical support was by Lauda Antonelli and Will Yar. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC podcasts,
1: go to cbc.ca/podcasts.